0: So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Evolve Printer After Hours show. And I am your host, Christine Campbell Rappin. My mission is to help entrepreneurs make a difference, navigating the messy middle, the world of startup or relaunch, otherwise known as the plot twist. Join me today. We're going to be digging deep with our guest and getting you the best concepts and strategies to fast track your business. Today, my guest is heralding all the way from Australia please give a warm welcome to Stuart Marshall. Stuart Marshall is a senior executive commercial software strategist, speaker, translator of IT gibberish, and the best-selling author of Doing It For The Money, a business leader's guide to improving profit per person. Technology and innovation has been his lifelong passion. He spent over 30 years in the career of IT, including executive leaderships, in the enterprise at ASX50, listed Wise Tech Global Consulting in Industries and Governments, and more than 20 of those years as a cutting-edge software R&D and digital transformation leader with multi-million dollar projects. The world has twisted and changed a lot. And as he tells everybody, if you are looking at the technology, you are missing the point. Please give a very warm welcome. Stuart, welcome to the program. I am always curious. Did you ever imagine you would become an entrepreneur? Tell us your story. I've lost your sound.
1: How about that? Perfect. Uh, Never. Not for a moment. Didn't even cross my mind as anything that I would ever end up doing. I was, as as we, as we were chatting about a moment ago, uh, I, I, I was a backroom guy. I was one of the quiet people who sat in the background and just made things and solved problems for people and came up with ideas and did all of those things and went through my life quite happy, quite content... And then one day sat down for dinner with uh, a mentor of mine who said, uh, well, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 48. He said, ah, plenty of time for a second career then. At which point I, oh, gosh, um, yes. Yes, I can do that. I can have a second career. I've no idea how or what or where. Or, or or anything i've no idea what to do how to sell myself no idea whatsoever but a second career sounds like a good idea so i'll have a go at that uh, and so i left a perfectly good job and went out into the big wide world at the beginning of 2018 with some hope and some aspiration and uh it, we went from there so it was a, a curious journey
0: i love it you know i I am. I find this fascinating. I mean, I'm a business coach, and I'm always so impressed with the accidental entrepreneur who has a light bulb. You know, they don't get out of bed. And to my, me in my case, when I started my first business, like I didn't get out of bed Wednesday thinking it would be a perfect day to start a business. It was a conversation with somebody else who turned on a light bulb in a room I didn't even know I was curious about. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a seed. Yeah. And the seed gets planted. And I want to take you back to when you, when you first started to go, huh, that just blew my mind. Imagine if. What did you think would be fun in your imagine if story? Like, what's the piece? Because I said the the rational brain can, can, it, can talk us out of taking a giant leap, like quitting an amazing successful career. But there must have been something that caught your imagination do you remember what it was? Well,
1: so I've spent my life, I suppose, as an educator. This is a, 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 a one of those realizations that you get to sort of after the fact. Uh, and I, I remember as a young man, I wanted to be a teacher. This was this sort of ideal I had as a, a young guy. Uh, but uh, academia and I are not best pals. Um, I would consider myself well-educated and reasonably intelligent, um, but not in an academic sense. Some this sort of career of being a teacher was never going to be there for me. Uh, but I I was a professional trainer for a while, working for a software company, the one that brought me to Australia ultimately. Uh, and and I was involved in this sort of I suppose education for one of the you know, as a simple term. And I sort of came out into the world thinking, yes, I'd love to teach people, I'd love to explain to them why technology is so important. And and particularly today because we're in the middle of a technology revolution. And it is going on around us every minute of every day. Uh, and my, my career started about six weeks after the first ever web page was made. So um, Tim Berners-Lee is a August of June, July of um, 19... Well, I forget when it was now, but it was that I started in the IT world in that just after the internet had really begun. Uh, and I've kind of followed it through, and so I've had this love of technology, and it's followed me all the way through my career and I wanted to tell people about it. I wanted to encourage them to get involved with it because there's such fear around it, unnecessary fear as well, largely out of ignorance, simply because we yeah people who grew up in my my era you know windows ninety five was the cutting edge of technology for many of them. that was the world they grew up in, so so they they these are the people who are now in leadership in business. In many of them, and their their understanding and their sense of technology is based on something from 30 years ago. They're better part of, uh, and I, I kind of went out into the world saying, right, how do I how do I teach people? How do I spread the word? How do I get people and business and every man and his dog to engage in the technology space? And I mean, the fundamental rule, as is, is the title of the book, that it's if you want to be profitable in business. These are the tools that you have to be good at. Hmm. Uh, we, you know, we expect our leaders to be fantastic at finance. That's yeah. You, know, you can't be a CEO of a business without some real finance knowledge. I would argue that today you shouldn't be a CEO of a business unless you are absolutely on the money with technology in the same sense that you are with finance. It is so fundamental to all business success.
0: I think this is fascinating because I'm going to date myself too, so I'm just going to go there and oh my knowledge. <laughs> Because because I just am I'm just feeling brave, but this is interesting because I I was part of that de- that technology revolution too, uh, you know I'm 48 47 and I built a thousand page website with Post-it notes and I met the owner of Google before Google became Google and I honestly I wasn't impressed <laughs> making Warpool me, but it's fascinating because you talk about you know us as a generation who are kind of in that senior leadership positions today as our careers evolved we were the, some of the first trailblazers of technology and really started to see the shift of technology and rode this really interesting crescendo, which isn't peaked yet from what you're saying, and yet you say that there's unnecessary fear around what we perceive technology could do for us or how it could shape us. Why do you think there is that fear when we are the first, I'm going to say, maybe demographic, who really has seen in our corporate lives some element of technology always on the journey with us?
1: But it's ign- ignorance, and, and I mean that not in in any critical sense. Just there's a, a general statement of fact that people don't know technology, they don't understand it, they find it very complicated because fundamentally it deals with complicated issues. Yeah, we, if we if we're looking to build, um, the Salesforce is a good example of this. You know, this idea of something that was you know, kind of like a CRM has evolved into this enormous behemoth mm-hmm. that you can use to control the whole of your organization or large chunks of it. But it is so much to it and it is so complex that you need specialists to come in and deal with it. Or we could say SAP is another example. Now, there, there are numerous examples, and I and I have some in my, my book about this, about businesses that went bust whilst implementing SAP. Because it's such a big thing to do, and we put so much money into it that, yeah, that, that, that just come, it just naturally comes with great fear. And then, so we take that big idea that people have, oh, big technology, very frightening, and, and then that it just goes down from there, sort of funnels down that, well, small technology is frightening. And if we grew up in the Windows 95 era of plug and play, as it was called, or officially called, but plug and pray, or plug and play up, as were the, were the two alternatives then yeah we we have this sort of um horrible lens that we put on technology is this slightly difficult thing that gets in the way and causes trouble you know, the, the computer says no kind of idea and and it's just something that unless you're in the industry unless you're very familiar with it it's it's quite difficult um and I talk about this, and is carrying on but I I I talk about this a lot which is one of the the biggest problems we have today the flip side of all of this is the $5 app that we can go off to the App Store or Google um, Play and we can go and download an app for $5. And this is this is kind of done the reverse, which is everybody thinks that stuff that is cheap, you know, technology now ought to be cheap to make because I can go to somewhere and get a $5 app. But of course, the vast, great many of these are um, either uh, flappy birds took, you know, a couple of weeks for some guy to make and he, he made, a, you know, pile of money out of it uh, but they're one out of every 10,000, 100,000 whatever, whatever the, the stats are the, the perspectives are all wrong because we're given complicated things for free, uh, the Commonwealth Bank app in Australia is a good example of this it's a fabulous app but of course they will have spent millions upon millions of dollars building it tens of millions of dollars because their value proposition for building it is great and giving it away is great so we we have the, these these sort of two extremist views of the technology space, and people get a bit sort of scared and frightened by it. Do
0: you think because things have gotten so complex that it's easy for leaders to abdicate, which you're, you know, to someone else is saying, "I must let somebody else be the expert instead of me owning and understanding"? Because I think what I thought was so powerful of what you said is you know, the shift that we need to be is the evolution is today. It's a progression of technology and leaders need the fundamentals of technology the same way they need the fundamentals of finance. Well, you can't advocate financial fiscal responsibility as a senior leader and you're proposing the same is true for technology, that it may be complicated, but you must engage in it. And if you need a translator, people like yourselves can bridge that gap Mm -hmm. and be careful because the true test of great technology is that it appears simple. That's for the minute.
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, simplicity is the is the hardest thing. It, it's uh, uh, and this is, this is the same whether we're building a house uh, or whether we're building technology. Finding that simple, elegant solution to something. Yeah, the uh, minimalism is the hardest thing to get right in architecture, or one of the hardest things to get right, because there isn't there is n- there's no scope for mistakes because mm-hmm. the rules are so clear, and and technology has that similar kind of idea where we want everything to be elegant. We want to have we um the, there's a, a phrase we use or, or a phrase I, I don't we use but I certainly do, which is this notion of teaching a man to fish that if you 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 give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him to fish, you feed him forever. Uh, And we have a similar notion in terms of technology when we say, well, okay, here is a piece of software and we want you to learn the rules about how it works, not the precise details about how it works. And and it's trying to get those notions through that is the problem because people get lost in the detail. They get lost in the function rather than understanding the why and the drivers behind things.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that there's a great parallel to the technology space, to the business space that I play in, because I always say to people, you must understand foundations. You, you know, you need to get clear on the so what factors. You know, I don't need to be the expert who writes my tax code, and I don't need to be the expert who runs the SAS code line, but I need to know how money and technology can help me reach my goals. And that's a fundamental, why does this matter? And why should I care? Uh, you know, Simon Sinek, of course, was so famous for that. Starts with why, but I think you know, if people looked at the technology from an essential vehicle to deliver something, it becomes less scary. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, look, absolutely. The the <laughs> so I'll use one of my, my my standard analogies for technology, which is the good old fashioned digging stick. Now, digging sticks are a piece of human history dating back millennia and uh, fundamentally is a piece of wood with a sharp end that was typically fire-hardened, which allowed you to dig in the ground and get extra food. So a really good piece of technology. Everybody loves it. The funny thing about a digging stick is if you grab it by the thin end and swing the heavy end, it becomes a really, really good weapon. Uh, and this is and this is the problem with technology, that we 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 have to get into the ideas of technology for the purpose that it's intended for. So we, we end up in a situation when we look at technology um, that my standard phrase of if you're looking at technology you're missing the point. The the the, the normal response though, well, what is the point then? And the point is value, and value is this fundamental notion that uh, finance people struggle with because they can't uh, it can't be quantified very simply in terms of piles of um, piles of money. Uh, and it's difficult for business leaders to understand because it is it, it's generally it's, it, it's very um, I can't think of the proper word for it, but it, it, it's hard, nebulous. It's hard to un, it's hard to get to grips with to say, well yes, th- th- I did this and it made this fundamental difference. But we can look at value through an enormous number of lenses within a business in terms of the effect that it has on the team in terms of morale, on reputation in the business space. And a, and a whole raft of other things that are extraordinarily valuable to a business and its bottom line, but are very difficult to understand. That makes sense.
0: It does make sense because I think one of the the challenges that that every business owner has, you know, and and certainly there's no exceptions to this rule, is the first gate you must overcome or bridge is what is the value, you know, what what is the purpose behind. The noise. And I don't mean noise disrespectfully here. I mean that there's Mm -hmm. you don't need maybe understand all the nuts and bolts, but so there's a there's a ball of activity here. We call it noise. So I'm curious, you know, as you've started down this journey, you've obviously got tremendous insight on the value of the technology and and how technology as a whole can really transport government, can can transport industry, can change human lives. I'm curious as you look through the lens and said, okay wow, I get to create a new chapter, have my second season. What value did you want to bring to the conversation? And has it shifted as you've kind of crossed into this great journey of entrepreneurship?
1: Well, I guess I started with, I just wanted people to to like technology a little bit as much as I do. I thought that would, if, if they liked it more, that would be a great place to start because, but no, <laughs> When when I when I started my, my day one, I I thought, well, oh, gosh, I need to tell people what I do. So I thought, well, I know I'll do IT strategy for small to medium enterprise, um, which, which in some sense is, is what I still do, although not not quite. Uh, but of course, the reality is that nobody ever woke up in the morning. No boss of a small to medium business ever woke up in the morning and thought, "Gosh, I need some better IT strategy." Yeah, <laughs> no nobody thinks that. They wake up in the morning, they go, Oh God, a hemorrhaging cash, I can't keep my team, they're not motivated, this is terrible, that's awful, this I can't get new people, the ones I've got, I can't keep people, the ones I've kept are the rubbish ones. Yeah, all, all of these these horrible real world problems. Now, technology is not a specific solution to all of those, but it is a significant tr- contributor to the solution. Uh, and, and we can th- we can think of value in a, a, a it, it helps to be able to put value into into financial terms because uh, it helps the bean counters basically more than anything else helps to encourage them to go out and actually spend some money and sign some checks um uh, and value comes in a couple of a couple of stories uh the first is this sort of fundamental notion of what it costs to hire a person so uh in australia the average salary is something in the region of about eighty thousand dollars that it's around there and by the time we annualize that and throw in all the other sundries for you know, looking after people in a business then then they cost about a hundred thousand dollars for simple maths so if we have a piece of technology that allows us to reduce our staff overheads by one then we save a hundred thousand dollars now I first to say that in a sales environment walking in saying hey you can cut your workforce is not necessarily the way to go but <laughs> yeah uh, there, there are better phrases i can't what's my usual phrase for that um uh, it means you have um ah oh, uh, improved opportunity and, and extra resources for more profit making activities nice 50, <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um so we have this notion that if we can save a dollar through um use of technology then we then every single wage is a massive amount of money saved, which is a great way to look at it. The, the flip side of it is, is you say to people, oh, yeah, well, well, we'll go and buy this platform, whatever platform we might be talking about. And somebody will go there and say, well, that's a million dollars. I've got to spend a million dollars to buy that or it's going to cost me a million dollars over 10 years. And you go, yeah, sure, it is. That's going to cost you a million dollars. And um, it's a lot of money, right? million dollars. Um. But these $100,000 people, that's one person for 10 years for the same price. And, and now we can ask a simple question. Do you think that the piece of technology for a million dollars will deliver more value to the business than one person could? To which the answer is, of course, always yes. And then you say, well, is it two people, three people, five people? Well, somewhere somewhere, there's a number that we can agree on and go, yeah, okay, more than that, probably unlikely less than that. Yeah. So we can look at this value proposition from through this sort of lens of, how our technology applies to our people and how cost, simple things like cost. But then you go the next step and say, well, well, what if having poor technology in my business means somebody leaves? Then I have to go replace them. And the cost of replacing somebody is one and a half to two and a half times their annual cost. So if I've got good technology that stops people leaving because they've got a good work environment, then that's saving me money as well save me money over and above my normal, my natural attrition rate. So all of these sort of vague notions when we can start to put them into financial terms, make technology sound very sensible and stuff that we should be engaging with at every step.
0: I think that's so important because it's a domino and this is, there, there, there's parallels here. And I, you know, when, when you understand that nobody got out of bed thinking I needed new technology, small in business, that that's true. So often for early stage entrepreneurs, like I said to people all the time, you know, you think you're a financial advisor and you're you're trying to sell time and financial freedom. Well, sure, it's not that I don't want that, but I didn't get out of bed seeking that today. I was like, how do I make $1,000 to pay for my kid to go to camp this fall or take a sports program or whatever it is your family you know, agenda is for priorities in spend? But then realizing that there's dominoes, and if you're going to engage with a potential client, you need to understand what would make this a compelling value win, where value received is greater than the not only out-of-pocket costs, but the cost of time, effort, thinking power, capacity, ownership, dot, 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 and the list goes on. So I'm curious, when you approach people, how do you take them through that journey? Or what's your success? And what's your struggle with that? Are they open-minded?
1: The trouble with Couching things in financial terms is that for the the smaller the business, the harder it is to put a dollar value on something and sell it. Mm. It's my my general experience, um, and, and particularly because I don't sell anything that is is easily quantifiable. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, the, the the challenge is really to get. I'm, and I'm still back to where I started in the education space, really, which is that my, my value is to actually teach people what it is that I know so that they can then apply it. Because, it, it um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm an expensive resource, right? I mean, that, that's that's a, a harsh reality of my existence. Um, and not everybody certainly in the startup space. You know, I mean, those who are bootstrapping and choosing whether they're going to have food on the table this week or, you know, an extra pair of hands for a day, that sort of thing. Um, they 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 love all my wisdom and don't want to spend any money on it. So so my challenge is pitching into the appropriate tier, um, really, which is about the, the the bigger end of small business, mid tier, and an uh, enterprise. If I can if I can leverage them always in an appropriate strategic move. Um, but it it is a, it is difficult because people look at these things so clearly as financial. They look at the dollar in their pocket. And think gosh, if I spend some money on this guy, he might teach me a bunch of things, but will I get any more money from it And the answer is it's hard to say it's hard to say until we start until we start looking around um but I mean uh, for instance on this is is I did some work uh with a mid-tier business in Sydney, and on day two, I spotted sixty thousand dollars worth of savings for a ten thousand dollars spend. And i mean just the most simple of things where somebody was taking data and rekeying it and you say well we can automate that we can write a piece of technology that will get that right 90 95 percent of the time and all that one person will do is verify that what's there is correct that those sort of opportunities are, are easy and they're 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 quantifiable but so often you have to be on the inside to be able to point it out to people mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of faith for me in the sales process that I will be able to make a difference for people. I mean, I, I can cite examples, but it's it's very difficult to to get across the line in that sense.
0: Yeah, and it's it's absolutely true. The the biggest catapult for success is, is, is one showing the value and saying, you know, what what are you paying for? It's it's it is truly an expedited path. I always say people in business when they're strategic, and that's not everybody, but when they're strategically you know looking for a scalable business, which is you know something that you're you're marketing to, I will pay for speed and I'll pay for shortcuts and I'll pay for somebody to get there so I don't have to spend 30 years learning this myself. And who has an awareness of the ebb and flow of industry to be my second pair of eyes? And I'm curious, you know, as, as you look the next 12 months, you've talked about you know the teaching component. The book was a big catalyst for credibility, I'm sure. What is the hope behind the next book? And can you tell us a little bit about where that fits in the story of your journey to making more companies fear less technology and embrace an open mindedness that says the time is now to get on board?
1: Yeah. So, so, so my, I started off with this small to medium enterprise thing. And, and over, over time, uh, and, and I started off with an imposter monster, uh, the size of, Something very big. I don't know what, but enormous imposter monster. So you are just a little backroom software guy. Nobody's got any interest in you. You have no value. Yeah. You know. And then I came out, did the 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 den Global KPI program, wrote the book, and they they encourage you to niche. And they encourage you to find this target audience that will listen to what you have to say. Um, and of course, I come from the extraordinarily niche world. And the obvious—it's—it's <laughs> it's easy when you know obvious—the uh, obvious target were people making software, because that's what I'd spent my life doing. That's what I'd, I'd spent my career building these building high speed tools and platforms and solutions for businesses around the world. And, you know, Procter and Gamble, as we were talking about as a, a common thread from earlier, uh, Honda, Kawasaki, and, uh, and many others. And suddenly you come out and you go, actually, no. Then who's who's making software? And then with uh, the the most obvious of obvious statements, somebody said, hey, what about SaaS businesses? And it's like, oh, God, I'm an idiot. How have I not thought this before? I'm in the middle of a technology revolution. Everybody and his dog is trying to build a software platform. Why am I not talking to these people? So... That's really the evolution of my journey is to go from I'm going to help businesses deal with technology to I'm going to help people who are making software. And there are kind of three variants of that. There's the broad software that we use, the, the horizontal stuff like um, Gmail, for example, you know, very common platforms that everybody uses. Then we have the verticals. So the very specific platforms. So uh, WiseTech, my former um, employer recently who have a platform called CargoWise, which moves um, about 10% of the world's trade from customs box to customs box. Um, And then there are um, what I refer to as the service SaaSes, the service businesses, which are businesses who are building their own technology so that they can deliver a service. So the software is, is kind of like a portion of what they do. Their business is really the whole of the service. The software is just this bit in the middle that happens to facilitate it. So these are the businesses now that I'm specifically focusing on, which are the ones who are actually building technology to deliver value. And I generally focus on the verticals and the, um, the software as a service. The, um, sorry, the, um, the service assets.
0: What's fascinating about this, and this is a good tip for all of our listeners to be talking about, when you first start out as an accidental entrepreneur, you honestly don't know what's obvious and hindsight is a great gift. But it, it is about the evolution of iteration. It is about constant refining. Who am I? Where can I add value? Where do I see opportunity? Because the big shift to see successful exponential growth in your business is not to serve everybody. And it's honestly the group when you can say, I know I can bring value here, but you need this today. The today piece is where everything comes. So I want to invite you now to say, like, how do people, you told us who your audience is, you've shown some amazing insights that you can bring to them. How do you want people to come find you?
1: Uh, the easiest thing to do is to type my name into Google. Uh, and spell my first name correctly, Stuart, with a W, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, the correct spelling, as I like to tell everyone. And uh, uh, If you put me into Google, I turn up very quickly, uh, you can search for mr sass as well which was uh, my consulting name um and, and a joke <laughs> a joke based on a friend of mine in melbourne who kept calling at me calling me it um and and it kind of went from there so uh, you you can see in the background that that's mr sass just there which is a caricature drawn by a cartoonist friend of mine uh so that that's the easiest thing i mean just put me into google and i turn up uh same on linkedin i'm not hard to find
0: Awesome. So I love it. So, guys, now you have to find Mr. Sass, our famous now Stuart Marshall, who's going to help <laughs> you catapult your IT technology. Because if you are looking at the technology, my friends, as Stuart has showed us, you are missing the point. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun. I am super excited by what the future holds for you. If you have enjoyed this, guys, make sure you give us a five star review on our app on the platform that you're listening to. This has been another guest episode with the Evolvepreneur After Hours. Just before you go, I would also encourage you to consider recommending this show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes and we look forward to seeing you next time and have a great day. Take an idea from this episode and go implement. The world awaits your greatness. We'll see you soon.